You are the solution. We are the future. Radically different. Together and unity above all, this is Revolution Radio. Moving forward from centuries of systemic racism is going to take work and honesty with ourselves and each other. We're going to have to have some long overdue, uncomfortable conversations. Racism is not a black and white issue. It's deeply ingrained in our society in ways you might not even realize. We have to recognize the limits of our own perspective and listen to the people that racism affects on a daily basis. Stories from the front lines of the fight for equality, protest tips, ways you can support the revolution even if you can't make it to the front lines, and music to keep up the morale and inspire unity. Revolution Radio has got you covered. Make no mistake, we have a once in a lifetime chance to bring about true positive change in a world that works for all. The power has and always will be with the people. When the rules do not respect some of us, we do not respect the rules. And now your host, Sig Neutron. Hey, what's up everybody? So it's your pal Sig Neutron back with another episode of Revolution Radio, or another Sputron episode of Revolution Radio, um, where I'm going to continue my quest to unpack racism. What is it? How does it affect us? Like, maybe we're even operating from racist things that we don't even realize, but we ourselves aren't racist, because it's weird, it's crazy, it's like a... It's an insanely complicated issue. So um, even the, this is the fourth talk that I've had and really just discussing and focusing on the issue of race and racism. And every time I, I just listen and ask questions and bring up perspectives, each one of these conversations, I learned something so valuable. And and uh, I hope that uh, you guys are, are benefiting from this as much as I have. Um, so today I have with me Javier Javier, and uh, I, man, I just go with the cosmic flow these days, and somehow we just, I forget even what post it was on Facebook. Uh, we just started commenting back and forth, and I was like, hey, want to do my podcast? And uh, yeah, they did. So here's our conversation with Javier Javier from the Javier Javier Show, and I've said that, I'll probably say that again at the beginning of the clip where I thrice say it twice in fact so here we go oh also stick around after our discussion because javier javier also uh makes music and i'm gonna play one of his tracks the lion that sleeps so today i am joined with javier javier from the javier javier show on youtube javier javier thank you for joining me not a problem, not a problem. Make sure you say it twice. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Why do you say it twice? Because I started off doing hip-hop music, and I was really into hip-hop uh, since, I was, since I was like nine years old. And I never wanted to be famous as a hip-hop artist. I just did it therapeutically, and I did it to really just... I'm a poet by nature. Like mm. I write poetry. Nice. And it was an ad-lib that I started using. It was like, Javier, Javier... And it kind of stuck with me, so yeah. I just started saying it twice. That's good. It's got a, it, yeah. it does. It's like a nice flow to it to say it twice for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so today uh, we're kind of like uh, unpacking. Like you do, you have a lot of guests. You talk about a lot of issues. Talk about like um, politics and you know just society. And today we're kind of kind of. Uh, I'm doing this series to just sort of like unpack race and racism because I realize that it's not it's not a simple issue. Uh, there are many many factors uh, 
that sort of culminate in this issue. Uh, and like my last guest, when I was talking to Jarrell, we started touching on like, you know, geography and also like class is sort of also like influences like experiences of racism and things. Uh, and like I've said it before, it's like, I don't want to paint in a broad brush and say like, oh, all people of color feel this way because like that's, it's, it's in a sense, it's like demeaning to assume that anybody yeah. is not an individual and have their individual opinions, you know? Um, so yeah. if you, uh, if you want to start, just like take us through your experience of like where you grew up and how racism affected your life. Interesting. Okay. Let's get it started. <laughs> um, I'm from the projects. I, I grew up in a place called Westgate and it was basically the bottom of the bottom. You know, I didn't know anybody with money. Everybody was either living off the system. Everybody was getting welfare, EBT, you name it you know, public schools, you know, it didn't really, really register with me, my opportunities out there. And luckily, my mom and dad got divorced when I was really young, too young for me to remember. But my father was always in my life, very, very strong male figure in my life. And he was there, uh, you know, we needed clothes wash, he would wash them. We needed, you know, school clothes, he would buy them. You know, but he was still at war with the streets because the streets um, really, really took a hold of us. Um, my brother went to prison when I was 12 years old and he's uh, like five years older than me. And that's when I realized I really had to step up. So I got involved with crime, you know, gang life uh, started really spending a lot of time doing horrific things. Some things I can't even speak on to this day, but. You know, that was life for me, um, wrestling between my mom and dad, my dad trying to save me. My mom was like, he's good. He's a good kid, not knowing what I'm really into. My father just trying to talk sense into my head. But as a kid, you know, that that goes that stuff goes in one ear out the other. So that's kind of like my backstory. Uh, I spent time when I was 15. Uh, I got arrested for armed robbery charge, uh, possession with the intent to distribute. A uh, few weapon charges, and I spent five years in juvenile. Uh, didn't get out till I was 20 years old, and I'm 27 now. So, huh, that 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 that's kind of how things went for me. And the last, uh, let well, while I was locked up, um, I really got heavy into religion on a a superficial level. Like I, I got so involved with religion, I became a fanatic and that's part of my nature. I've always been a fanatic when it came to being a gangster, when it came to religion, you know, I would just throw myself into something so hard. So I got really religious. And after I stopped, uh, well, I started looking into God so much cause I wanted to know more and more and more about God. And long story short, ended up becoming an atheist. Got out, you know, tried to get my life together, you know, got a job, got a car, started doing the little small steps to build myself up. And along the way, uh, I got involved with a cult. Um, I was trying to hold on to God. So I decided, why not? Let me see if I can figure this thing out. Ended up at the wrong church. You know, pastor had girls cleaning his house and you had to wear certain things. You had to... You couldn't work at certain places. They sold liquor or booze, wow. you know, just the whole nine yards, right? So that was my final straw. I was like, 
religion is dangerous in my mind at the time. So I became a fanatic atheist. You know, I started getting real heavy into atheism and just going to churches, challenging, you know, pastors, getting banned from churches. I was just doing the whole nine yards by myself. You know, I wasn't riding around with crews or anything like that. Then, you know, after some time, you know, I settled down. My dad had a lot of conversations with me, tried to settle me down and humble myself. And then I got a hold of politics and became a conservative. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. And basically the reason I became a conservative was because I I knew what it was like not growing up with a mom and a father in the home. I realized how much it had an impact on me. That was something I agreed with. I took full responsibility of the crimes that I committed and realized that if I would have just taken the opportunities that were right in front of me, I would have ended up in a different place. I mean, I had scholarships, full scholarships coming in the mail before I was arrested. I was in 10th grade and I was really smart and just used it for the wrong things. So, um, so I got into politics and just conservatism just started clicking with me. I was looking at the liberal side. I was looking at the conservative side, the independent side, and just the individual aspect, the conservatism, the the family structure and the values just really registered with me. And, you know, that's a long story. But mm-hmm. basically, now you have an atheist conservative sitting right here in front of you, a black man. Mm. <laughs> I, 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 see, that's I think that's that's awesome because like this, you know, I. I, I call myself an irreverentist. It's where, you know, it's like, I, it's all about like bringing people of all types together and embracing each other's differences and, and building a society that's built on differences and diversity. And so I think that's like, I, yeah. And it, it, it's not typically something that, you know, a black atheist conservative, like it, you're like, what? Like, it, you know, it's not. And, but I think that's, that's, that's awesome is you're unique and you're you. And, and I'm really excited to just kind of like chat with you and sort of like unpack like how you got there and, and why you have these uh, views because conservatism is typically linked very tightly to like religion or Christianity in a sense. Um, so what specifically about it, uh, conservatism, is, uh, do you do really grab it, like re- resonates with you? <laughs> well, that's an interesting question. Uh, I don't I don't like victimhood. Okay. I think I think that was one of my biggest problems with the left. Um, when I say the left, I don't mean every liberal, but what I do mean is the, the the general ideology that people on the left use, where if you're a black person in America, that you're somehow victimized. Now that may very necessarily be the case that many of my black people have been victimized throughout history, but I'm not going to tell somebody they're a victim. Because that creates a mentality where you no longer have control over your own life. You put that life in somebody else's hands. And when your life is in someone else's hands, you're subject to them. It it, it no longer feels like I can take control of my destiny. So I just rejected that concept altogether. I refuse to be a victim. Even if I am a victim, I refuse to tell myself that. So that was one of the reasons that conservatism really took an impact on me. Now, of course, there are other issues that I got into later on and learned about, like, you know, the Second Amendment, you know, something that I'm really heavy on. I know what it's like to live in a poor neighborhood. I see single mothers living in crime-ridden neighborhoods where 
gunshots, uh, well, gun holes are being in the windows because people are shooting. I understand what it's like to fear for your life and being helpless to defend yourself. That was something that I really, really um, gravitated towards, but with proper training, not somebody just going to get a gun and like I'm going to be, you know, wild, wild west out here. Mm -hmm. But, you know, but I realized that the liberals wanted to make it harder and harder to actually obtain a weapon and actually defend yourself. And poor people don't have those options. They don't have the option to go through hoops and bounds to just get a weapon to protect themselves and their children. So that was another big issue that I had. Um, I believe in small government. You know, one of the problems I had with the liberal ideology was you, you want to restrict my rights as a gun owner to where, you know, I have to do all this extra stuff just to protect myself. But yet the government can't protect me either. You know, we're seeing that right now with the whole George Floyd situation, you know, and when you have the police that can put their neck on you, uh, I mean, put their knee on your neck for eight minutes. At what point does it become respect to self-defense? You know, so mm -hmm. these are things that I think about and I just don't see me having those rights and freedoms with the liberal ideology. But I do agree with a lot of liberal concepts. Like if I believe in small government, then the war on drugs is crazy. That aligns with my conservative values. It may be for a different reason than the liberal, but I think we can meet in the middle on that. Mm -hmm. And if you, so that's basically why conservatism really, really registered in my brain. Those were like some of the top issues. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, so growing up, uh, did you have you had any experience with racism, or how, what, what's your uh, experience been with that? Oh yeah, see this this is the um, thing that gets me in trouble with a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of my friends. Most of my friends, my wife are are liberal minded. Mm -hmm. um, my parents, well, my mother is, but racism never registered in my mind as a kid. You know, as a kid, I was more concerned with being killed by another black person than I was about a white police officer killing me. Now these things happen. And I'm not denying the truth of it. Just my personal story. I didn't experience the racism on a level that most people do. Now, I must put a caveat into that same notion because I, I remember when I think back, there were times where I was racially profiled. When me and my friend was at the movie theaters waiting for our movie to start and the police pulled up on us and threw us up against the car, two white officers, and patted us down, told me to shut the F up, and, you know, just treated me horribly and just told me that they would arrest my black A. You know, these are things that were happening. And that goes back to the mentality of normalization, where these things are normal, so you don't see how it's wrong. You, you just think this is life. Mm-hmm. So in my young mind, I wasn't able to fully understand it. But there's also situations where there were police officers in my neighborhood <clears throat> that would. Um, sorry about that. Um, That's OK. That would come to the neighborhood and be walking around the neighborhood. And I remember them feeling like they were they were antagonizing us. 
you know, he would be on his speaker saying, y'all better, you know, be in the house at a certain time. Y'all better, you know, stay out of these streets. I bet not see y'all do this and do that. Right. Wow. And he would park his police car and he would walk around the neighborhood and he would start talking to our parents and stuff like that. But I, what I didn't understand, though, was. That was his way of caring because he was trying to be a level of like security and discipline in the neighborhood. He felt like if he had a presence in the neighborhood, it would deter us from doing criminal activity. He had a good relationship with our parents. And I I understand that a lot of black neighborhoods don't have police officers that develop a relationship with the community. Hmm. And that was something I didn't understand at the moment, but he was trying to deter us and give us a strong hand. Um, But racism I experienced it, didn't see it for what it was until I got older and I had to start reflecting on a lot of these issues. Mm -hmm. And now I understand it, but I I still disagree with a lot of people on the left as far as the degree of racism in America and how much it affects us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, because they... Go ahead. Go ahead. I got a long story, but it's not a long story, but... Go for it. When I went to juvenile, when I was 15, for armed robbery charge, the, the minimum and maximum for armed robbery charge is 10 to 20 years. Hmm. The judge that I had was the senior judge in the superior court. He was the oldest judge. He had the most authority. People would tell me it's guaranteed that I was getting 10 years or better from the crime that I committed. This judge, which is a white man, took mercy upon me and lessen the charges so that I will only get five years. It's not that I'm saying racism doesn't exist, but what I'm telling people is you have to call racism racism when you know it's racism. You have to be real careful about what you call racism Mm -hmm. because if you don't, the real racists will use that as a cover. Look at Mm -hmm. them. They're just calling everything racism. Yeah. So I... Yeah, so I try to use these examples, but the emotional toll of it is so high in the black community to where you're you're seen as a coon or Uncle Tom or a traitor to your people just to bring up these points. Mm-hmm. And luckily, I'm still a gangster ideology. I like I still got a gangster mentality in my mind. It's like I don't back down. You know, I'm gonna say what I have to say. Mm-hmm. You're gonna feel where I'm coming from. And we're just going to have to agree to disagree. But I love black people. I love all people, specifically black people. And just because I'm conservative doesn't mean that I don't have black people's best interests at heart. And there has to be a, a there has to be a conversation to be had to where people can come together and figure these things out reasonably without letting emotions dictate the conversation. Mm-hmm. Go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I think the more I dig into this and stuff is the more I realize that there's a lot of, I think that we operate on sort of echoes of the past and like sort of racism and, or racial bias or things have like infiltrated our minds in ways that we haven't even realized. And also, like you said, normalization too. It's like sometimes we don't realize uh, that things are the way they are. But also, yeah, I totally agree with you. It's that uh, we should be careful about what we call racist because that does provide cover because, you know, it's like, it, it, yeah, it's like it, it sort of um, 
desensitizes the issue, I guess, in a sense, because then it, people just start writing it off. It's like, oh, you just think everything is racist. So it's like, um, I guess it, what I'm trying to like figure out is like where, yeah, like, I mean, I think maybe like what it is is like it, it's just looking at the history of black people in America. It's I feel like it's been so loaded with oppression and uh, segregation and Jim Crow, you know, like that, all that stuff wasn't even that long ago, you know, the, the main civil rights movement. And, you know, yeah. I, we're still, I think we're in, in the aftermath of that. And I, and kind of breaking up. Yeah, you, you kind of broke up a little bit. Um, but, oh, uh, did it come back? You're now? back now. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. yeah I, th- I think we're in this like strange uh, place of like uh, shifting forward from from the past in in a way that it's like i I, maybe it's a regional thing like what do you think like i i don't know because i mean there are definitely instances of obvious racism and but maybe do you think that we're using specific instances and and using them to paint a huge because it's like almost impossible to see the entire picture of america you know what i mean and it's like how do how do you think that we can like start getting into this issue and and handling it and and where we can like move forward from it like what do you think we could be doing or you know yeah um well in order to understand american history you have to first understand world history you can't put america in a like a vacuum and just treat it as if it's an isolated incident there has to be a complete picture on the history of mankind and how we treated one another. Slavery was a very common thing. Tribalism, you know, the mistreatment of the other, it it plagues all of mankind. Even those people who don't see that they have a bias has a bias. Even if it's something as simple as, I don't like the color yellow. You came into the interview wearing a yellow shirt, so I won't hire you. Mm -hmm. You know, these things are innate in human beings. So with a full picture of, world history, then I have to stand back and ask myself, does the positive outweigh the negative or does the negative outweigh the positive? What are the things that I can change and what are the things that I cannot change? I understand that liberals make the point that there are things that black people cannot change that happened in history. Therefore, we must rectify that. I agree. Conservatives are more focused on what are the things that black people can change and let's focus on that. They have to meet in the middle. Mm -hmm. They're fighting over two issues when they really should be working together on this simple issue. Black people have been horrifically treated in this country throughout history. Jim Crow laws sanctioned by the government. I mean, you, 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 you can't you can't really dismiss those type of things. But I can understand them. I can understand what it's like to be a white kid being raised by a racist white dad who owns slaves. You think this goes back to the normalization. You don't really realize that this is not right because this is what you know. So I have to be able to put myself in other people's shoes as well and ask myself, what would I have done? Most people think that they wouldn't have been the Nazi. They don't know what they would have done. They're speaking from a place of privilege. Mm-hmm. Even as a black man today, <laughs> when I talk about issues that's going on 
in third world countries. I'm speaking from a place of privilege. So I must first check myself. So everybody needs to check themselves first. Once you check yourself, then you can realize, okay, now that I understand the issues, I understand my flaws and how I'm approaching the situation, I can fix those things and we can move forward as a country. America's not a a bad place. I don't think most Americans are racist. And therefore, we have a few people who are. How do you fix the racism problem in America? Well, I know how you don't fix it. You don't fix it by telling all white men that they are the problem. Because it only creates a a, a space for real racists to come in and recruit young white men who feel isolated. Mm -hmm. Now, some people people are going to say, well, Javier, Javier, uh, why should we care? And I was like, you have to care. Because you don't live in this country alone. You can't try to fix the problem and create the same problem you're trying to fix. Mm-hmm. That's circular reasoning. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So we first have to, yeah, we first have to understand that if we're going anywhere, we have to bring everybody along. Yeah. So when a black man is un when it's killed wrongfully by a police officer, we should be out in the streets protesting. We should be angry. We should be upset. But we should also be angry and upset when a white kid is killed wrongfully by the police. And people, I know people are going to say, well, they don't have the same history as we do. It it doesn't hit home the same way that it does. It's not about that. It's about being effective. It's about bringing everybody along because we want to be equal. You can't isolate a whole group of people and expect for them to just magically not turn racist later on. <laughs> yeah. It's it, it just, yeah. So that's my solution for the, for the situation. The left has a lot of things right. The right has a lot of things right. Those who can't work together should shut up, get out of the way. Let the rest of us handle it. So if you're a moderate leftist, if you're a moderate a person on the right, if you're independent, if you're a reasonable human being, you are part of the solution. But if you're an extremist on the left or the right, the time of listening to these people are over. We can't get anywhere with the extremes. Mm -hmm. I don't know why the moderate people tolerate them. I really don't understand it. But that has to end. Or we'll never get what we're trying to get in society. So that's my solution. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's, you know, politics, it seems like, and it's interesting because I, I feel like we can't, I feel like racism is definitely, it's like, right. The issue is like political. I feel like, you know, it's like, it's, it blossoms into like all of this because politics is how we govern ourselves and how we live and, and what that's based on. And obviously our politics are based on our history. Um, and you know, I, I said before that it's almost like, uh, political discourse should be like a healthy tug of war, you know, like an ideology, throwing ideas back and forth and figuring out the best solution. But I feel like modern day politics have become like each side is just throwing their end at the rope at the other side. And like, just like, you know, it's just chaos, you know, there's, there's no healthy debate. There's no, uh, and yeah. And I, and I agree with you. It's like, I, yeah, the, the whole, like the white shame 
and white guilt and stuff like that's it's definitely not a healthy route to push i don't think um because you know it's like we're i i understand that the the past uh things that happen and and we do need to i feel like so far that I've been trying to like learn as much uh, American history, uh, black history as I I can. And it it does feel like there's never been a point in American history yet that we've actually just sort of like all stopped and been like, okay, yeah, racism was huge. Uh, Segregation was a major issue. Uh, Things were very black and white and it was, it did a lot of damage to communities. Um, and you know, and what's even crazier is that throughout, uh, black history, like the government literally like sanctioned, like breaking up black Panther party and things like that. Like they, they were like FBI's were actually like attacking any sort of racial unity. So it's like where we're at now is actually like the government had a huge hand in pushing like racial tensions to where they are at this point. Like, what did you think about yeah. that? Oh, definitely true. I couldn't disagree with anything you just said there. That 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 that's definitely true. I mean, Black Wall Street, you know, these these are things that were sanctioned by the government or encouraged by the government that really dismantled black success, you know. And I, a lot of times when I when I tell people, oh, I'm conservative, they instantly be like, oh, you ain't one of us. They, you don't understand. You're on the wrong side, you know. But I. I acknowledge history. I acknowledge facts. It doesn't matter about which political side you fall on. The facts are the facts, and we're going to talk about the facts. And so much has been done to black people that just redlining, just, just countless things that just put black people all together as a whole in a bad situation. And I was having a conversation with a white liberal, and he was talking about things being equal. He was talking about get into a place where black people and white people have the same opportunities and the same starting point. So I made a joke. I said, well, if you want to make things equal, how about white people allow black people to enslave them for a few hundred years, create some Jim Crow laws? You know, and I was, I was being funny. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, that's a good idea. Maybe we should do that. Hmm. So I'm thinking to myself, at what point is common sense, common sense, and then things turn into absurdity? Mm-hmm. That's not the way to go. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And so I, I can't change the past. That's one thing we have to realize. The past is the past. I also have to acknowledge that we can never really truly be equal in a society because that kid that was born with a certain disease, he's not equal to me. You know, like there are just things that are out of your control. And one of those things is history. Can't go back. We can't change it. But here we are now. And that goes back into the point where I think we are at a place in time where black success is blooming on a level that it's never has before. There are more black millionaires and billionaires than there's ever been. There are more black successful people than there's ever been free of opportunity. And now we have to come to a place where how do we spread that? How do how do how do we keep the trend going, but increase it exponentially? Mm-hmm. And I would say I would say a few things has to be repaired in the black community. There has to be accountability. There has to be responsibility in the black community. 
that goes back to what I was saying about, you know, find about the things you can't change and the things you can change. We have to first work on the things that we can change. And what we can change is our morals and our values in society, what we value as a black community. You know, I want black mothers and black fathers to stay together. I want them to treat each other good. I don't want people in the black community to be in bad um, relationships. That also goes back to education. I want black kids. And when I say black kids and black people, this applies to any other race that struggled with some of the same issues. Mm-hmm. But I want people to have access to great education. And I want people to be able to choose to move forward in a way where nobody's holding them back. So if you see racism, call racism out. We have to get rid of racists because they're like a plague. They just breed and they they create more. Mm -hmm. So you have to root it out when you see it. You also have to, you have to help black people understand that education is valuable. When I was a young black kid in the projects, Nobody was telling me how valuable education was. You know, nobody was there to say, do your homework, sit down. What did you learn today in school? What is your teacher teaching you? These are things that we have to change. Mm. That way, when we make societal changes, like, you know, rectifying some of the issues that we have and being disenfranchised, black people are ready to receive that gift and to maximize it to its fullest potential. Mm -hmm. You know, Dave Chappelle had a skit back in the day where they was giving black people restitution, uh, reparations, and people were going out, you know, buying rims and, you know, doing things that, you know, Dave Chappelle can get away with that joke, mm-hmm. you know, in our society. But he was actually trying to tell black people, like, if it can give you money, they can give you land. But if you're not ready to receive it, you'll squander it. So. You have to be able to, to 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 do those things at the same time. And it's bigger than education. It's, it's health care. You know, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people that's on the left are going to say, well, free health care. You know, <laughs> uh, that's not my solution. My mm-hmm. solution is, you know, promoting a healthier lifestyle, making it more accessible for people to eat better. You know, there's not a lot of whole foods in, you know, black areas. And if there is, they're too expensive to afford it. Mm-hmm. So we have to be able to promote an environment where food, healthy food options are cheaper, more affordable, and more accessible. Um, we also have to encourage an environment where people go to the doctor and find out what's wrong with them and find out what information that they need. So we have to lower drug prices. We have to lower medical fees. You know, th- these are things that we have to work on that I think both sides of the spectrum can get together behind and actually, you know, approve upon. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that when 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 the tide rises, all ships rise together, you know, mm-hmm. and that's what's most important. Yeah. That's that that's the solution. Yeah. 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 I think, you know, I think with at least in America, I think a big problem with what I've found and, and like digging into like how our systems work and stuff is one that's like most Americans that, that don't really understand how our our systems operate. They don't understand how our, our economy operates. They don't understand how the government operates. And I think that 
first of all, we need to like all get on the same page. We all need to learn how these systems operate because in not knowing how they operate, we've opened the door for bad actors to start to take advantage of the system. Uh, you look in, you start looking into big pharma and it, they're, it's predatory, man. It's like, there's no other word for it, but that it's like these big companies price gouge because they know people need these things. And then it's become normalized that everybody just believes that drugs are expensive for some reason, but really that they're not actually expensive. They're just, they're pushed expensive because of these big pharma companies. And then you look at like student loan companies, like, you know, the student loan, uh, like program started to help people, uh, so that America could compete with the Russians. Like they wanted to fund people to go to school so that we could have a better society. And then somewhere along the lines that turns into like these super predatory high interest rates, basically like kneecapping you before you're even out of school so that you're just saddled with this debt. And it's like, then you look at the rent companies and then like how like rent systems work and how it's like, it's like every major system that we have is predatory and it's yeah. because nobody knows how yeah. it works. And I think that that is Definitely. creating an issue that affects all of us for sure, but disproportionately communities that are already vulnerable. So that's why it seems like they, that maybe that's why they seem most affected because they are most vulnerable possibly. What do you think about that? Oh, you definitely. And I got, I got two points I want to make on this subject. The first point is I'm for the free market. I'm, I'm for companies being successful and making mm -hmm. profits. Yeah. As a conservative, that's a value that I have. Mm hmm. But there's also another conservative value that I hold, and it's called patriotism. I don't care about your profit at the end of the day when you sacrifice your patriotism to your country. You're, that's a crime against humanity. It, it, you, you, you don't get to sell out your country for profit, you know, because those two values must be in conflict at that moment. I can't be for free market and also at the same time allow you to violate your duty to your countrymen. Mm -hmm. You know, this is this is one of the issues that I try to bring up to conservatives. It's like you got all these values, but you have to also access them. Like you have to you have to assess them and find out whether they're in conflict and find a way to rectify them. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those issues. You know, people talk about free market, free market, free market. But what at what point does it become unpatriotic? And then how do you rectify that against that value? So that that's that's the first point that I wanted to make. The second point that I want to make is there has to be an incentive put in place for companies to do the right thing. You know, that way you can maintain the free market while also making sure people get the things that they need in, in society. And we're not talking about the things people want. We're talking about the things people need to survive, mm -hmm. things that people need to grow and prosper and to raise a family and to, you know, create generational wealth, which most effectively happens to the black community and the people of color. I know we talk about black and white a lot, you know, but I just want to keep putting this caveat out there. People of other races suffer just as much or as well, mm -hmm. and we can't just leave them out of the conversation. Yeah. So. Yeah. So there has to be some kind of incentive in place to motivate companies to do the right thing, you know, mm -hmm. and 
I have to throw in a third point. The third point is we as a society, we the people, you know, that's a phrase that we should all be familiar with. We the people. Mm -hmm. We run this show. The president, the Congress, the Senate, doesn't matter who you are, police officers, you work for us. Let's not forget who's in charge here. You know, uh, so many people, like this goes back to what you were saying, you know, people understanding how these things work. You know, they work for us and it's about time we start acting like it. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not against the protests. That's a part of our fundamental rights in this country to go out and to petition your government on behalf of a grievance. You know, I'm 100% behind that, Mm -hmm. you know, and conservatives should be 100% behind it. Liberals should be 100% behind it. I'm I'm for it. Now, I'm speaking differently about the looting and rioting. I'm separating those two, you know. Yeah, because these days, a lot of conflating going on Mm -hmm. on, on a lot of sides. But... There, um, there has to be accountability, but there has to be incentive. And it's our job as a society, we the people, to figure out how we best incentivize these companies to work in our best interests. Mm-hmm. And it's a partnership because they didn't get rich be- without us. Yep. You know, it's a, it's a free country. I'm for the free market. Yep. But I'm also for the individual. And when you wrong an individual, you got to pay a price for that. Yeah. You know, I, I like that, man. Like, yeah. I, I agree because it's like, you know, I like I said, I, I guess I fall a little bit more on like the progressive liberal side of things. But, I, you know, I'm in no way against a free market. Like, I, you know, like in in its essence, like capitalism and the chance to forge your own destiny and everything like that's awesome. Like I support that and I'm with that. But it's like there. But the free market, like left completely unchecked, is—it's just there's no incentive, there's no reason because also like the like Citizens United, like we allow like companies, corporations to legally bribe politicians, like like straight up, like and then these politicians create policy that protect the corporations. So it's the game is rigged for all of us. Like it's like the corporations funnel the money into politics, and and I think that we're not going to get anywhere. Uh, true progress unless we start like writing laws that's like keep corporate money out of politics yeah so uh, I'm I'm torn on these two issues and I'm not necessarily torn I'm clearly my process on this issue is very clear but it comes in two parts the Mm -hmm. first part is I am for a person with money that owns a company being able to use the resources to petition the government to work on their behalf. But I'm also against the idea of that person's money being able to outcompete other people's grievances and wants and needs. Mm-hmm. For the life of me, so many people just don't understand how the, these gray areas are the killers mm-hmm. in our society. <laughs> yeah. These gray areas, right? This could be life or death for a person. Just these gray areas right here. And our job as a society, as a government, should be how do we turn these gray areas into black and white? Either get it white or get it black. Mm-hmm. But I'm also for disagreement. There has to be a level of disagreement because if you don't challenge each other, 
Mm-hmm. There's no room for growth. There's no room to to think outside the box. And I'm a living, I'm a living, breathing being who lives outside of the box on an every everyday basis. Mm-hmm. I'm a freaking unicorn when it comes to many of these issues, right? <laughs> you have to pay me. You have to pay me. That's a good episode, right? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so. Education, man. Education, education, education. And part of the reason I got so angry when I got into politics and religion and stuff like that, I was so angry and upset because I just didn't know. I felt lied to. I felt like people didn't give me the information that I needed, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, I'm not in the business of lying to people. I'm not in the business of withholding information. If a few of my black brothers and sisters come to me and say, well, this is happening and this is racist and this is that. I'm asking for evidence. I care about facts. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have the evidence and the facts to back up your anger or your emotions, I will not go along to get along. And it's too many people going along to get along. That is one of the biggest problems we face when it comes to this race issue in America, when it comes to many of the issues me and you are discussing right here, right now. Too many people are just going along to get along, you know, mm-hmm. and that's how you end up with Nazi Germany. Too many people going along to get along. That's how you get Nazi Germany. You know, that's how horrific things happen every single day because one person didn't step up and take a take a stand, you know, um, and then it gives other people the courage to step up and take a stand, mm-hmm. you know. So I asked myself as a conservative, you know. I'm a conservative, but there's so many things on the conservative side that I must stand up against, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm doing it purely based on my conservative values. And you can't argue with that, you know, at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. That's why I can talk to the people on the left. Like most of the people that come on my show are people on the left. That's why I can talk to them, mm-hmm. because though we may disagree on certain values, a lot of my values lead me to some of the same conclusions, just for different reasons. And I try to explain to people how you got Donald Trump. People are more concerned with arguing with me than trying to understand the explanation on why we got Donald Trump. They care more about proving why we shouldn't have Donald Trump. This is not about the world you wish to live in. This is about the world that we currently live in. And the only way to truly navigate that world is to understand. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a lot of not understanding going on. Yeah. It, on, on. It, I feel like it's become like a, like modern political discourse has become a very uh, tribal, like team-based, almost like sporting event. Like you look at people like go to Trump rallies and stuff and it's like, uh, you know, and even liberals do it too. It's like, it's just like, it's like, all right, I'm blue and then I'm just going to like shit on everything that is red because it is like, it is, it's us or them, man, you know? And then it's like, woo, go my team. And it's like, and then the other side's doing the same thing. And it's like, but that doesn't, they, they forget that we're all actually on the same team, which is society and trying to like, how do we find a better society? Not like, how do we keep butting heads? Yeah. I try to explain to people. I say, they say, oh, you're a, you're a Trump supporter. And I say, Actually, I think everybody should be a Trump supporter. I think everybody should be hoping that Trump does the best he can and finding areas where they can get behind him and support him for things they agree with. You may not agree with Trump on 100 things, 
But if you can find that one thing you agree with him, support him. Get behind that issue. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying support everything he does, Mm -hmm. but support that issue. You know, but we've gotten to this point where you have to disagree with Trump on every single thing. And there was a lot of people on the right doing that with Obama. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of just, nope, he's the bad guy. He's the enemy. You know, it's like, if you, whatever side you want, if you can't tell me 10 things you disagree with on your side, um, I'm not going to waste my time. Yeah. And if, you know, I, I meet people who voted for Obama and supported Obama, can't give me five things they disagree with with Obama. This is madness. You cannot tell me you agree with 100% of everything the person on your side does. Yeah. This is complete absurdity. And it baffles my mind. I guess I'm just not built that way. <laughs> Yeah, you know. I mean, I think people have a need to simplify things. Like people like it easy and digestible, and they see a color red or blue, it's easier to just be like, "Ah, oh, everything blue is bad, or everything in red is bad." You know, I don't even have to think about it. It's just I know you're bad. You know, and I maybe there's yeah. like comfort in that or something. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, you you gotta have look. Society operates in a hierarchy. And it's always been that way. I don't care if you live in a communist state, if you live in a democratic state, it doesn't matter what country you're from. There is going to be a hierarchy set up in place. And the reason for that is because human beings have to be able to get stuff done. In order to get stuff done, you're going to need people who are willing to do the things that, let's say, the leaders don't want to do. You need truck drivers. You need nurses. You need these people, right? Mm-hmm. Plumbers. And everybody, everybody can't be the president of the United States of America. So uh, nothing's wrong with being simple. What's wrong is when those people who are put in positions of power and influence abuses that power and influence. Oh. That's what's wrong with the situation. That's why you get somebody like me that steps up and decides, you know what, I'll do it for you. Because if, if you can't do it for yourself, I'll speak for you. And I'll channel all of that through me. And people like you and people who speak up and decide to say something, you have to be that voice for those people who like things simple. You know, it's nothing wrong with being simple mm-hmm. because it's some complicated thinkers out there. And their job is to make it simple for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think... That's, uh, and it, I think the problem is, is like, uh, yeah, it's, I never really thought about it that way, but it's, yeah, I think the problem is the people that are making it simple right now are, aren't truthfully making it simple. You know, there, there's, there's yes. too many agendas at work here and it's like, man, I'm just, I'm truly on the side of people and human progress. Like that is all I really want, you know, like I, I have no other agenda except that. And, and I, I feel that from you too. It's like, you're very like, you just, I, I just get the feel like we have just, talked for you know only like about 40 minutes but i get like you genuinely just want things to be good for people you know like no like no bullshit definitely i mean look where we are in society i mean technology i mean just things that a hundred years ago you couldn't imagine like this is we're living in magic land right now uh, for you real, can man. cut on your television <laughs> and be in a whole different world you know like this is amazing like you know, this this goes back to understanding all of human history and mankind. 
and then once you really put yourself in the moment and realize the opportunity and the place we are in America, then you start to look at you really on Twitter tearing down somebody. Is this what you're choosing to do with your free time? Yeah. It, it has to be corrected. You know, I'm not going to be the guy that puts liberals in their place because I'm not a liberal. Mm hmm. But I expect reasonable liberals to check their side. Mm -hmm. Just like people expect me, when you see a conservative, you see Donald Trump do something that's wrong, to speak up and say something. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not a Republican. And I know a lot of people say, oh, he's conservative. They instantly conflate that with Republican. I'm not Republican. Mm -hmm. I don't pledge my allegiance to any party. I'm a conservative. And I go with the candidate that I think aligns with most of the values that I care about. Mm -hmm. Some people only care about two issues. Some people only care about gun rights and, let's say, abortion. You know, that's their two issues. Mm -hmm. Like you said, simple. And then once they sign up to um, back up Donald Trump and vote for Donald Trump for those two issues, then they get attacked for all the crap that um, Trump does. And they find themselves defending Trump. And it's like, nah, you got to understand that you can't expect somebody to vote with you, vote for you just because the other guy is worse because he might hit those two issues they care about. So as soon as you start understanding, then you can start tailoring your, your voice to try to bring along as many people as possible. So if you tell somebody, hey, I don't know, like I'm for abortion, I'm, I'm, I'm pro-choice, right? then you got all the Christians on the right that's like, abortion is murder, blah, 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 right? And then you have to be able to portray that message to those people in a way that they can digest and go along with. Because, sorry to tell you conservatives on that side, everybody don't agree with you. And you can't force everybody to go along and get along. So at some point, you're going to have to compromise on something. And that's where it gets down to. I'm going to give you 10 things, you give me 10 things, and let's, sometimes I'm going to have to sacrifice because, get what? I don't run the country. I, you know, I got to live with you. Yeah. So, I mean, we're supposed to be talking about race. We didn't got All right. deep you into know, the weeds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I let it go wherever it goes, man. It's like, really, I think it's, all these issues are connected, man. And, you know, and I guess, like, if we were to, like, pull it back around, I think all of these issues uh, flow into I think the biggest problem with humanity is the problem of lack if we can solve the problem of lack then we can truly progress as a society and it kind of you touched on it a little bit too it's like it's not it's not solving what things that we want it's solving like things like our basic needs and and infrastructure and and information and education and it's like these are the things that we need to start focusing on as a society like how can we Truly, like, are we really considering ourselves that modern and advanced when, like, homelessness and all of these societal issues, like, are really bad and they're just getting worse, you know? It's like, w at what point do we decide to, like, go to the bottom and lift those people up so that we can all move on together rather than just, like, trying to act like they do the problem doesn't exist and letting it get worse and worse, you know? That goes back to being a, pa a patriot. That goes back to caring about your fellow man. And we have to... There, there's this issue with greed. Human beings are very famous in the universe for their greed. 
<laughs> if anybody's up high watching down on us right now, <laughs> it's like that's the greedy species. Like this man got a billion dollars and he still won't more. <laughs> right? You like know? what is that? Billionaires? Like that is just a bogus concept to me, man. Like I, I can't even like. At some point, it's like, do you but, really need that much? Sorry, go ahead. I just... Yeah, but but I have to also understand I've never been a billionaire, so I don't <laughs> I don't know. What that's like. I guess so. I, you mean, know? I guess I can't speak either because I don't know. But uh. right, that's that gray area, right? So it's like, okay, why do you need this much money? And then this person try a billionaire might come tell me something that really amazes me. He was like, well. I'm trying to get to this point so I can invest this much into this, or I'm trying to, you know, really create a technology that will change lives forever. You know, because some of these inventions that some of these people come up with are life changing and does lift a lot of people out of poverty. I don't fully understand, you know, why everybody does what they do, does what they do, but I know there's a lot of greed going on. Mm. That is something we can agree on for sure. And then we have to get into the idea of how do you solve that problem? Because greed is good until it's bad. Mm-hmm. You know, greed is what causes people to create Microsoft because they want to be a multi-billionaire, mm-hmm. which look at it now. Me and you are talking on Skype right now and yep. everything is going great, you know, <laughs> except the little infraction there. But, you know, so, <laughs> you know, we've lifted so many people out of poverty already. Um, Steve, um, Steve, Stephen Pank, Panker, I believe that's the name. Uh, but he says that, you know, we've been more prosperous in today than we've ever been in human history. Now, any, any rational mind is saying, okay, what's next? And the next thing is, how do we get everyone out of poverty? How do we increase happiness all across the board to where one day a kid may grow up and say, mommy, what's poverty? Because it's unheard of, mm-hmm. you know? And of course you're going to have those people who want to be poor. Some people don't want bills. Some people don't want to own something and have to take care of it. There are people who don't want that. There are people in our society that are less fortunate because they have mental health problems and they can't get the help they need or drug addictions. Like These are complicated issues and a, a lot of times people are either dismissive or naive. And the dismissive part comes in that, well, they should have made better decisions. Therefore, they didn't get what they deserve. That's the dismissive part of it. The naive part of it is you want to help these people, but you can't just go and try to fundamentally change everything in the country because you dislike poverty. Mm-hmm. Because you might make some decisions that end up hurting way more people than you intended. Good intentions don't always lead to better outcomes. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that I try to express to people on the left. Like, I I get your intentions. I I get. I don't think you're a bad person. You know, the Mm -hmm. intentions are there. But solutions have to be well thought out. They have to be discussed amongst everyone. And we have to come to a consensus on what's the best way to move forward. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, and then there are some things you can't budge on, of course. I think a lot of people on the right feel like abortion is something that they just refuse to budge on because they feel, you know, X, Y, and Z. Like, for me, example, I might lose some listeners right now, but I'm not for abortions. 
But I'm also not for the government forcing people to have babies. Mm -hmm. What I hope to create is a society, a value structure in society where we promote sex education. We, we teach our children to wait till a certain time to give themselves up to somebody, you know, be open about these subjects and topics. Mm -hmm. And that way we can avoid the abortion situation altogether. Yeah. That's what I'm for. Yeah, that's that's awesome that you, you bring know? that up because like a lot of conservatives they see that this is this is the I think it, this is the through line that I think it's like a really a resonant point of our conversation is that uh, both sides, conservative and liberal, can come to the same conclusions for different reasons, like you said. But it's like conservatives they have this issue of like, okay, they want smaller government, but they also want the government to tell women that they can't get an abortion. Like, come on, man. Like, you're you're fighting your own value system on this one here, you know? There's a conflict. Yeah. Like, there's a conflict. And part of my job is to remove the conflict. Yeah. Part of my job, this is why I started my channel. This is why I started Javier Javier Show. It's because there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And I don't just go after conservatives. I go after liberals as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some people tell me, hey, man, you got to pick a side. Like, I know what my side is. And when people realize that my values hold true, then they'll come. It's perfectly fine with me. Yeah. But this is why I started my show. It's because there are a lot of conflict, conflicting values that people have to rectify. And luckily, I have the intuition to, to interpret. That, I think that's one of my gifts. I can receive data and information and then I know how to interpret it mm -hmm. and put it in its proper place and then dish it back out for everybody else to hear. Mm -hmm. You know, we need more people like that in society to help heal, to help bring about racial injustice and in that, you know, to bring about true equality, not of outcome, but of opportunity, you know, to actually be able to live amongst each other without hating your neighbor. We're all Americans, like you said earlier. We're all in this together. And the moment you start thinking that you're going to get everything you want and your side is going to win while you leave the other side behind, you lost me. Because uh, that ain't happening, buddy. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. it's not happening. Every, you know, so, you know, I'm, it's I'm ABC's with you. <laughs> I'm with you. It's, it's, <laughs> You, you leave another side behind and you create more. Pro it's like Albert Einstein said, we can't solve our problems with the same thinking used to create them. So the solution to a problem is not to create another problem in the opposite direction, you know, and, and it's it, and yeah. I think more we just we just really need to start meeting in the middle. And I think um, the more I start to look at humans as computers. Uh, the more we start to make sense because basically we're like input output devices, just like you said, like we receive information, you and I uh, jumble it up in our brains and dissect it in different ways. And then we spit it back out in a way that makes sense to us. And then that that's picked up by other input output devices. And then, you know, so and then we all run on this uh, programming. I think that is there's this massive programming that uh, has we we basically just need to deprogram all of ourselves to like kind of like take a step out of almost the matrix of just like perpetual hate and anger and aggression and division 
and just like back up from the table and look like the game that we've been playing, like the rules fucking suck, man. <laughs> you know, it's like, and, and we wrote those rules and, but like everybody hates the game, yeah. but like, and then everybody forgot that we could change the rules at any time if we just work together, you know, it's like society yeah, is what we say it is. And, and it's time yeah. that we just start like really just, I, I think this comes with a lot of introspection. And as an irreverentist, I'm, I'm all about focus on the self because you have to deprogram yourself before you can start to understand and assimilate concepts correctly and not based on programming. Yeah. yeah, just look at my story. I mean, I come from living a gangster lifestyle, coming from the projects, and, man, I, I couldn't, man, if I just, man, I got stories. I just say it like that. And I had to deconstruct myself. I had a lot of time. And I, I, I broke myself down to a fundamental level that I think a lot of people never get through because of so many distractions. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to understand why I thought the way I did. And I had to truly understand who was I really. Once you take away the identity, once you take away all the stuff that society throws on you and pushes in your head and things you just learn to deal with and accept, once you get rid of all that, who are you? You know, yep. you really start to think for yourself. It really transforms you in a way that you, you you can't explain it to somebody unless they've actually been through it. Mm-hmm. You know, I do meditation. You know, that's something that I was forced to do. You know, mm-hmm. some people choose to meditate. You know, <laughs> I ain't had no choice but to meditate. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so but I'm not going to try to sit here and say, let's have a kumbaya moment. Mm-hmm. Life is gritty, you know. There are forces in this world that are at work, and you got to be able to deal with them. There are existential threats. There are foreign and domestic threats happening right now, mm-hmm. and you got to be able to have a strong hand to deal with them. Politics drive off of division. You know, it it, it, it breeds an environment where you have to outsmart your opponent to in, in order to get what you want. Mm-hmm. That that's that's the place we live in. But we got to be able to do both. I'm not telling people that you have to sacrifice the political game. What I am telling you is, while you playing that game, make sure you're throwing a dog a bone. Because dogs need bones. We enjoy our bones. They taste delicious. You know? I just want my bone. And you're not giving me my bone, bro. And if you don't feed your dog, he gonna eat you. That's what's gonna happen. And that's what's happening right now. They keep feeding themselves. They keep feeding themselves and they won't throw the dog a bone. And I promise you, history will testify. Those kind of systems, they crumble. They fall. They break. Always. Always. And I love history, man. Like Me too. Me too. (laughs) Like I said, man. Yeah. Yeah. So it it doesn't matter, man. Religion, history, uh, politics, all of that stuff, I eat it up. I eat it up and I, you know, I take all these different things and I cross section them and mm-hmm. I, you know, just dissect them in my brain and I interpret them and then I just give it out to the world. That's, you know, I, dude, and then, that's, that's so good. Like I, I just, it just, I get, I get like stoked and like energized when I talk to people like you, because that's, that's why I started reverentism is because I look through religions. I look through theologies. I look through like Buddhism, Satanism, Christianity, and I pick out like what works here and like what's, you know, how do you, how can you pick from all these things and assimilate it into a system that's like truly fundamentally like just and, and structured and like in the interest of progress, 
you know and and i and i it's like there uh there's like um like hermetic principles of the universe um there's there's like different principles but uh, there's this book called the kabbalion and it's Basically, they talk about using higher laws above lower laws. There's all these universal laws, and you can't break the laws, but you could just use higher laws against the lower ones. And they use this analogy of like uh, the playing the game. Like the, the, our existence is a game, uh, and and some of us are so tightly wrapped up into it that it's almost like we're wrapped up in a dream. And the idea is to become lucid within the dream and realize that we're dreaming in the first place. Uh, and, you know, like I, I, I really, uh, I'm into alchemy a lot and it's basically like you described the process of alchemy, which is breaking down yourself and like extracting all of these like societal things, experience. And then who are you at the very core of your being? Because once you reach down yeah. into that and you touch that, then you realize like that part of you is what's connected to every single person in this experience. And if you can find that. Yeah that's when you can start making like decisions and taking a stance that's actually in the interest of everyone. Yeah. Cause I am that guy. That's what, that's what a lot of people don't understand. I'm you and you're me. Mm -hmm. Like the only difference between what I consider to be myself and what you consider to be yourself is a whole series of experiences and stuff that you had nothing to do with. Absolutely. So if I, right. If I was you, I wouldn't know it. Because I'm so busy thinking on me. But that baby is just a baby. You know, it's like nobody comes out evil. Nobody comes out good. Nobody, like, there's a series of, a, oh, man, th things impact you that you just can't even begin to understand how. You know, you could have been two years old and saw something that just implanted in your brain and it's showing up 20 years later and you trying to figure out why I can't. Stop chewing my fingernails. Yeah, you know it, it, it's things like that that I have to understand. Once you once you can really understand the situation that you're in, you see life in a whole totally different perspective. But I will say this: this is one of my favorite one of my favorite sayings. For every joy, there is a price to be paid. For every joy, there's a price to be paid. There's a trade off with everything you do. So. I'm speaking to the, the young guys out there who are thinking about philosophy and thinking about theology and all these different things that you can get your mind wrapped around. Remember, the smarter you get, the, the, the more knowledge you obtain, the harder it is to relate to other people. It's a gift and a curse at the same time. And I spend many of my time, much of my time, just feeling alone feeling misunderstood because there's all these concepts going on in my head and I just can't really talk to people about them because, you know, what I say in my, one of my musical songs, I say, when it's deep, the shallow becomes very scary. You know, you you can't even go shallow no more. Everything is deep. I'm, I'm watching a television show and something happening. I'm breaking everything down. That's no way to live. <laughs> You know, yeah, so dude, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I just I agree with you, man. Like it's, I think the best way I can describe it is like it's it's almost like being Neo and you took that red pill and, and like you've woke up in the Matrix and you see that what runs underneath everything and you can't just take things at face value anymore. And it, it's like, I'm right there with you, man. It's like I get like attacked over the most crazy things when I'm like. I'm just trying to like lay it out and like get people to think and stuff. And then people start like lashing out, like, how dare you get me to think about these topics and stuff? And it's like, 
<laughs> Why wouldn't you want to think about it, man? Like, yeah, like it, to me, it's like it's like candy. I just like, mm, mm, yeah, like, get some more. <laughs> like I'm licking the fingers and stuff like that, you know. Mm. And I don't realize I'm getting diabetes. It tastes so good, <laughs> you know. And you know, the, the the healthy person is looking at me like that's like you killing yourself, but they don't understand how good this candy tastes. Like, how could you not taste some of this? Like, it's delicious. Have a piece. <laughs> and you, you try to hand out candy, and people just keep turning the candy away. It's like, I, I, you know, like, I told you earlier that I got my name by ad-libbing Javier Javier. I wrote a mixtape that people can go check out called Blessed by Evil. And it it, it really reveals my life in a way that it's, is really a, a contradiction. My life is a contradiction. And I was, e- like, evil plagued me as a child. And, you know, I was put in a situation. I didn't choose it. You know, I dealt with a lot. I mean, I had one of my closest friends put my own gun to my head and pull the trigger and it jammed. Wow. You know, there, there are things that has happened. And I used to be like, why me? Why me? Why me? You know, and the reason of the mixtape is to show you that all the bad things that happen to you can be a blessing. And I don't mean it in a a religious term because I'm not religious, Mm -hmm. but I use I I use these terms because they have a meaning. So I like to play on the whole double entendre thing. But those things that I went through make me stronger. It made me more resilient. It gave me perspectives that a lot of people never get. Your whole perspective changes when a gun is put to your head and the trigger is pulled. It's like, you're not even supposed to be here. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, every everything after that is just, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a feeling you can't explain. Red is redder. Yeah. The, the sky is bluer. You know, and this happened at a young age. I was traumatized and I held it in. I didn't even talk about it. I I spent years not talking about some of these things. And I was it was fueling me, fueling me, fueling me. And one of the biggest messages that I try to get off the people is life sucks sometimes. But let that be your fuel. Let that drive you. That's why I don't play the victim card, because I'm so much stronger being a survivor, you know. I sound like a preacher. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's interesting because I, I've came up with the metaphor, too, is that uh, I think every bad thing that happens to you, look at it at like a, a tank of fuel, like a tank of gas. And then like every bad experience is a tank of gas. Now, you can hold on to those tanks and they can weigh you the fuck down. Or you can take those yeah. experiences and pour them in your tank and use them as fuel to drive you to where you need to go. It's like it's, it's either or. You're either using it as fuel or you're letting it weigh you down. And I think that uh, spiritually, like I'm a spiritual person. I, I'm not a religious person. Uh, I, I do acknowledge there's a spiritual nature to this whole existence that we have yet to understand. And I think that we need to start having these kind of conversations too. Um, but I think that's, I think there's a, there's a whole possible like spiritual aspect of, our history that hasn't been dealt with that is background running in the background of the program 
and and it and it's weighing us down as a society and i think we need to start opening that up and letting that wound air out and heal because i and, and in a ways that like people are heard because i feel like it has been it like white people have been uncomfortable with racism so they've been like yeah well it's not today i i don't i never see it it's never happened it's it's fine you know and it's like that's in a, that's dismissive and that's counterproductive you know it's like i feel like we yeah. just need to come out and like look yeah it was an issue let's listen to the people that are most affected let's really listen to them like okay now how now now that everyone is heard and understands and is not stop denying how do we make it better from yeah. here you know yeah definitely and you know <laughs> i i care like i think i think everything that people feel i feel on a level that 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 is very dangerous i love passionately i hate passionately you know these these are things that i feel on levels that i don't know if most people can relate and i got to a point in my life where i was like i have to cut this off like i had to cut it off and i became so obsessed with logic and rationality and understanding the world that way i felt like if i just knew what to do I wouldn't need to feel if I just knew how to fix the problem, there would be no problem for me to emotionally react to. I was naive. I'm still recovering. Still trying to, to feel like I used to feel because I completely just cut off. I I just got disassociated with reality. And I just didn't want to feel. I wanted to become spark, like spark. Like I, I wanted to just be all logic, all rationality. And that don't play so well when you get married. That don't play so well when you're trying to have family relationships. You know. <laughs> yeah, I went through a yeah, period so. where, like, I was same same thing, man. It's it's so interesting. Like I lo- like we've had like wildly different stories, but I see these profound moments of where we we overlap in thought and and in the way that we operate and the way that we feel. Because I'm the same way, man. Like I like I just passionately feel about things, and and, yeah. and it's part of why I'm doing things like this and having these conversations. It's like, what can I do? solve the problem or what can I do to contribute? But yeah, there was a period of my life where I was like, you know what? I'm just going to be blatantly honest with people because I feel like, like, why, why should I not, you know? And then, and then I ended up being this like dick that was just like saying mean things to people. They may have been true, but it was like, it was logical and it was reason based, but like I was leaving out any sort of emotion or like compassion with people. And it's like, we can't, we can't operate on logic and reason alone. We have to like, it's compassion and, and love and also logic and reason, you know? Yeah. I had to rationalize my way back to feeling. I was like, people are emotional. And if you want to get along with people, then it's only logical that you learn to read, like learn to, empathize with them and to feel like they do like i had to rationalize my way back to emotions and you know (laughs) like you find yourself in positions like i used to have family members i'd be talking to and i was i just be talking you know i just be breaking stuff down like i do and they'll sit there and just be like you just insulted me and i'm like how did i insult you it was like you're calling me dumb you know, and I would basically be talking from a place of, like, you don't understand this. 
So let me break it down for you. And it made them feel belittled, you know. And what I didn't realize is those people are more gifted than I am because they're not pulling their hair out every day over these issues, you know. They're not trying to figure out the universe, you know. And that, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. You know, don't don't take away that innocence. Don't take away that beauty, you know. Yeah, I, you know, Children would... love to play. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because I can't help but not see a parallel here between the knowledge of the fruit of good and evil or, you know, the the, the, the Adam and Eve story. She wanted to know. She wanted to eat the knowledge. And, and then that it came with its own curse. And I, and I feel like it's exactly like you said, the more you dig and the more you want to know, the more the weight of the world starts to fall on your shoulders. Yeah. So that, that brings me back to bring me back to the racism issue in America. You know, there are a group of black individuals, white individuals, people from all different races who are stepping up to bring about change in this country. We disagree on a lot. We agree on a few things, but the conversation is being had. And I think there are brighter minds than there's ever been to fix some of these issues. You know, and the way I see it, people tell me all the time, man, somebody going to kill you. <laughs> and I tell them, I tell them, I ain't even supposed to be here. And I say, you can only kill me once. So, like, you know, go for it. But, you know, I, I appreciate this, though. Like, I got I got nothing but love and respect for everybody. And though we may disagree, and I can promise you this. It's going to always be people who disagree with you. Always going to be people that think you wrong about this and wrong about that. And you may be wrong about a lot of things, but your heart is in the right place. Your intentions are good. And if you're willing to work with other people to point out where your flaws are, you in the right place. That's where you want to be. That's the place you want to be in America right here, right now. Forget all those other people on the outskirts or the people that's on the extreme. They ain't a part of the conversation no more. They hijacked it. We're taking it back. And this is where we're going to rock and roll from here. You know? Wow. I mean, I, 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 that's, I feel like that's a beautiful summation of our conversation right there. Um, so, man, like, thank you so much for uh, joining me. It's, it's been a, a wonderful talk, man. I really enjoyed this. Oh, yeah. And look, push this conversation. Like, share this, man, like crazy. Push this out. This is what people need to hear. Yeah. Do everything you can. As many ears can hear this conversation because we 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 got we got success and a vision right in our grasp. Like we we almost there. I can see it. I can taste it. But also destruction is right on that thin line. One wrong move, and we could be heading in the wrong direction. Yeah. So we got to be pushing it just as hard as the extremes are. We got to be on the job, can't be sleeping, can't be procrastinating. You got to be on your job. So I appreciate you having me on this show. Shouts out to the other black brothers. And I don't know if you had any sisters on, but mm -hmm. shout out to everybody having this conversation I show my love and respect. I take my hat off. If you disagree with anything that I said, it's okay. It's okay. You know, check me out. You know, Javier, Javier show. That's J-A-V-I-E-R twice on YouTube. 
Awesome. And can anybody else uh, find you anywhere else? Or just mainly the YouTube? Well, I mean, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, you know, but I want them to come to my channel and subscribe and then they can find the rest of my information on my channel. There you go. Yeah, you heard it. And I highly recommend it. I mean, like if this this conversation is an intro to Javier, Javier, like I, I don't know why you wouldn't want to hear more from him because uh, you're, you're a fascinating mind and the work that you're doing, the stance that you have is so important right now. And you're right, like us middle pillar people, we gotta, we have to reclaim the conversation because times of chaos are powerful moments in time to transform, and but they're also very fragile moments. They they can easily everything can topple, or we can use this momentum to push into like a new era of human progress and unity. Definitely, you said it. You hit it right on the head. <laughs> so, I look forward to speaking with you again. Absolutely. You know, working with other people and great minds, you've done great, and I wish you all the 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 success in your journey. Oh man, right back at you. All right. Thanks so much, man. You're welcome. Talk to you later. All right. Well, if you anybody out there listening, if you're a person of color and you would like to come on my show and uh, share your story and your experience and help me and thus the listeners of the show unpack race and racism uh, i would love to have you email me at signutron at gmail.com uh, also if you make any music i love including music into the podcast as well uh, so you can contact me about that as well um, all right so now as promised here is the lion that sleeps by javier javier In the jungle, the mighty jungle
that's what this evil No concern for the people Better off with a redo No more remorse for what he do We playing checkers Niggas fly with no feathers R.I.P. on the shirt The price of what life is worth For a black man My people swimming in quicksand A couple bangers who call themselves entertainers Glorifying the struggle They sold they sold to the devil And it's common we live in the hell regardless Swearing you Uncle Tommy When brother searching for knowledge Yeah, looking for hope No wonder it's hard to cope So young as in hell and smoke It's easier letting go It's easier being poke When you mentally broke The tide shifting Extortion is our business We down to the last minute The hero is our villain the lion sleeps, whatever my brother keeps I'm hoping it's something deep Just hold it until we seek Till we seek something higher.